From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. Take a look at my horns, Pamplona. It's the running of the build! (laughs) I'm Bill Curtis, and here is your host at the Chase Bank Auditorium in downtown Chicago, Peter Sagal! Thank you, Bill. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. It's great to be back with you all. I missed you. We have a wonderful show for you today. Later on, we're going to be talking to Tierra Fletcher. She's the 24-year-old MIT grad who is now designing the rocket that will take us to Mars. But first, we were very proud the eyes of the world were on Chicago this week when an alligator, an actual (laughs) alligator, was found in a pond in a city park here. It just shows that Illinois is slowly becoming the next Florida. <laughs> now, the process of Floridification, of course, will not be complete until a drunk shirtless guy jumps into the alligator pond and makes out with it. <laughs> so while we are still stable enough to answer the call, give us a call. The number is one triple eight. wait wait That's one 888 Let's welcome our first listener contestant. Hi, you're on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hi, Peter. This is A. David Lewis calling from Arlington, Massachusetts. Arlington, Mass. I know it extremely well. What do you do there in Arlington? Well, by day, I teach uh, at a college, at a university here in the area, and by night, I write comic books. No, really? I was as close to what I was hoping for, because I was hoping you'd say, by night, I fight crime. (laughs) (laughs) That's close enough. What kind of comic books are you writing? I actually write a book called Kismet, Man of Fate. It's about the first Muslim superhero from 1944. How very cool. And what kind, yeah. of, enemy, what kind of enemies does Kismet fight? He fights fascists, Peter. And- <laughs> <laughs> okay, David, let me introduce you to our panel. First up, a features writer for the style section of the Washington Post. It's Roxanne Roberts. Hello. Next, it's a writer for Divorce on HBO and co-host of the adulting podcast from WNYC Studios. Joining us again, it's Jordan Carlos. Hello. Nice to be back. And finally, a comedian performing in Hyannis, Massachusetts at the Cape Cod Melody Tent on August 16th. And in Nashville, Tennessee at the Tennessee Performing Arts Center on September 20th, she's the co-host of the podcast Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. She's Paula Poundstone. David, welcome to the show. You're going to play Who's Bill this time. Bill Curtis is going to read for you three quotations from the week's news. If you can correctly identify or explain two of them, you'll win our prize. Any voice from our show you might choose in your voicemail. You ready to play? I am. All right. For your first quote, here is the president speaking at the White House on Thursday. Today, I'm here to say we're not backing down. He said that as he was backing down. On demanding a question about citizenship on what? Uh, The 2020 U.S. Census. That's exactly right, David. Yes, the census. The administration has been trying to put a question about citizenship onto the census for about a year, but the Supreme Court said they would not allow it because the White House lied about their reasons for the question a little too openly. The White House really shouldn't have gone with the classics because our girlfriend in Canada wants us to. (laughs) The Supreme Court ruling against him made Trump angry, but he was already angry at the census. It makes him answer that impossible question, how many children do you have? (laughs) It was was amazing because the Supreme Court 
said, well, you can't do this. And the rest of the government, uh, even uh, Commerce, what's the name of the Commerce Secretary? Wilbur Ross, also yeah. known yeah. as the Crypt Keeper. Yeah. Even he you know was weird? <coughs> when I saw him standing there, I thought, wasn't he killed in Raiders of the Lost Ark? <laughs> yeah. They brought him back for the sequel, apparently. Yeah. Anyway, even he was like, yeah, it's done. The Supreme Court said, no, we can't do it. And so apparently the last week has been people trying to convince the president that you can't just ignore the Supreme Court. He had plans, though, for the whole census. He wanted to redo the whole thing. Under race, the Trump census would have had only two options, white and loser. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and you only count your spouse if she's a 10. Well, I, I'm sure that they probably had him take off the article when he was speaking about African-Americans. Usually he refers to us as the blacks. So um, yeah. He's got a backup plan. He's given up the fight. Instead of the census, he's just going to get Jeffrey Epstein to guess everyone's age. Yeah, I got well, uh, okay. and now we're going to quickly leave. Okay. <laughs> David, here is your next quote. I deserve this. I deserve everything. <laughs> that was Megan Rapino. She was swigging champagne from the bottle as she celebrated her team winning what? The World Cup. Yes, the Women's World Cup in soccer. <laughs> the U.S. team beat the Netherlands in the final on Sunday. It wasn't fair. They were wearing their wooden shoes, I mean, really. And they came home to a ticker tape parade in New York, which is interesting because they don't have ticker tape anymore. Yeah. Uh, they use shredded and recycled paper. That's good to know. All the time and effort you spend separating your paper recyclables is done so New Yorkers can throw it at people. <laughs> the women were honored with an ESPY award Thursday uh, for best team, and they thanked the U.S. Soccer Federation for supporting them 70% of the way. <laughs> Did you get, were you guys excited by the World Cup? I was thrilled. I watched every game. I loved it. I was so thrilled. Um, I went to the parade, and uh, what was great was after the floats passed and everything, New Yorkers just went to c about complaining again. Um, really? Yeah. <laughs> we're like, what's all this ticker tape? Really, you went out like, this is great. And as soon as it was over, he's like, well, that was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we do. It's in our DNA. Well, I mean, in the end, it's, it's a, it leaves a messy street. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, no, it was messy to begin with. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So they probably won't be going to the White House? Well, they won't be going to the White House. This, of course, became a thing. Megan Rapino, the star of the team, she uh, preemptively refused to go to the White House. Uh, but, of course, it doesn't matter. They're not going to be invited. Uh, Rapino said they'd be happy to go to the House of Representatives um, or to the Senate or basically to the, to the Waffle House. Basically, <laughs> it is more likely that the entire team will show up at your house than the White House. <laughs> All right, David, your last quote. Uh, it's a little late for the 4th of July, but it's exciting for next year's barbecues. It's an innovation that will revolutionize barbecues and wiener roasts all over the country. We talked to men and women across the country who are heavy users. They were damn tired of dealing with the messy cap. That was somebody talking about revolutionizing what condiment container? I think it's mustard. No, it's so close. It's the other one. It's ketchup. It yeah. is! Yeah. Revolutionizing the ketchup bottle. For years, we have wrestled with a way to get ketchup out of a bottle when it clearly does not want to come out. But the problem has been solved. No longer will you struggle to get your ketchup out of the bottle thanks to a newly designed package. It's called the Standard Inverted Pouch, named after a popular kangaroo sex position. 
<laughs> Don't get distracted, this is important. It's basically a bag with a cap on the bottom. It looks like a, a fat toothpaste tube, so you squeeze out the ketchup onto your ketchup brush and scrub your fries at least 30 seconds per sauce. Sure. <laughs> Doesn't baby food already do that? Well, it, they've been moving to this uh, for a while, so toothpaste has changed this sort of tube with a cap on the bottom, and now they're going to it for everything. In fact, not just ketchup. All of our foods will soon be served in bags. The new packages will be used for sour cream and yogurt and guacamole, all of which will soon be squeezed with great force right onto your pants. <laughs> but, but this is kind of fun. I mean, a bladder of ketchup, I feel like, you know. I'm, <laughs> Oh, like let's call Spain, it that. You know? yeah. Oh, hey, no, no, hey, not. friend, could you pass the ketchup bladder? <laughs> Bill, how did David do in our quiz? Dave got all three right. Congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations, David, and, and good luck to Kismet, scourge of fascists. Thank you, Peter. Take care. Right now, panel, it is time for you to answer some questions about this week's news. Roxanne, it's not just factories and cows that are you know, contributing to greenhouse gas. There's a new culprit adding to CO2 emissions. What is it? Um, is this sort of systemic or a one-off? Uh, <laughs> it's, it's absolutely systemic, and you've done it, and you probably did it today, and you'll probably do it again before you go to bed. Oh, my no. You're going to need a hint. Yeah. Okay, if you okay. learned about this because your dad forwarded it from his girlfriend, you're only making things worse. For, well, you forward... What do you forward? Jokes and emails and, emails. and texts. Yes, the emails? answer is emails. Wait, emails? emails apparently are helping to warm the earth. Only if well, you how? forward them? I will explain it. <laughs> apparently, if you think about it, uh, we all sit around and send emails all day. That's what we do for all of us. That's all we do. I don't know how anything else gets done. And it, the electricity needed mm -hmm. to send an email has a carbon cost. Somebody wow. has to generate that electricity. Uh, uh, well, I love not... I love cutting back on emails. That's a great idea. The, yes. <laughs> now, the, the people behind this are not trying to make you not use email because, as they point out, everything has a carbon cost. For example, if you decide to mail a letter, that's got a carbon footprint like 10 times the size, and smoke signals are 100 times worse than that. I just wonder if, like, uh, if you were raised, uh, like, a long time ago, Native Americans, if there were, you know, girls who just wouldn't get away from the fire. Really? Yeah. I mean, like, so just, uh, you know, a Native like, American father says he comes like out of his teepee. The, the blanket oh, over right. the fire. And he says, I got to use the fire to send a smoke signal. And his teenage daughter is there just like constantly right, sending exactly. smoke signals yeah. to, the, to her friend yeah. uh, She's like, at the other camp. My stupid dad wants to use the, the fire right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's like Stone Age, man. You know, people, they probably never got off the wall. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. it's true. You know what I've yeah. always wondered about? Cave art? Yeah. Is oh. there <laughs> what? <laughs> I love the fact that you've wonder, always wondered anything I have. about well, cave for art for many years. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Go what do you on. wonder about there cave art? There has to be bad cave art. <laughs> yeah, it's all. It's all I mean, whenever, bad. Whenever we see cave art, we're like, oh my god, look at that! It's cave art. But I mean, there has to like, if you were with cave people, they'd be like, oh, that's a piece of crap. That's <laughs> <laughs>
Coming up, our panelists make it rain in our Bluff the Listener game. Call one wait wait to play We'll be back in a minute with more of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from ZipRecruiter. Hiring used to be hard, multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, but today, hiring can be easy, and you only have to go to one place to get it done, ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards. Then, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. Try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com wait. What do all of these people have in common? Kamala Harris, Pete Buttigieg, and Bernie Sanders. They're all running for president. And they've all sat down with us on the NPR Politics Podcast. Oh, NPR is going to drive me completely crazy. We are going out on the trail with as many of the Democratic presidential candidates as we can and are bringing you in-depth interviews with them. Come along by subscribing to the NPR Politics Podcast. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis. We're playing this week with Roxanne Roberts, Jordan Carlos, and Paula Poundstone. And here again is your host at the Chase Bank Auditorium in downtown Chicago, Peter Sagal. Thank you, Bill. Thank you so much. Right now, right now, it is time for the Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me Bluff the Listener game. Call one wait wait to play our game on the air. Hi, you're on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hi, this is Evan Hill in Corning, New York. Evan Hill from Corning, New York, home of Corning Glass, right? Yeah. I'm going to ask you a strange question. Uh, My father, when he got out of uh, graduate school many decades ago, had two job offers, one in New Jersey, which he took, and one in Corning, working for them, that he didn't take. So I've always wondered, what would it have been like to grow up in Corning, New York? Oh, it's great. We're not far from the Finger Lakes, so we have that entire wine culture here, and uh, the museum is great. We often shatter expectations. Oh, you had had me going there for a while, and then you made that pun, so (laughs) welcome to our show, Evan. You're going to play our game in which you must try to tell truth from fiction. What is the topic, Bill? I've got a billion dollars and nothing to spend it on. (laughs) Boo-hoo. Billionaires have it hard. In fact, a recent news story indicated that many billionaires don't know what to do with all of their money. Well, this week we heard about a very, very rich person coming up with a very clever way to spend some of that money. Our panelists are going to tell you about it. Pick the one who's telling the truth and you win our prize, the wait waiter of your choice on your voicemail. Are you ready to play? Sure am. All right. First, let's hear from Jordan Carlos. In New York City, your friendly neighborhood billionaire will tell you the struggle is real. Their chic downtown townhouses don't even come equipped with driveways. Are we living in communist Russia? (laughs) So what's a master of the universe to do when you can't park in front of your own malls? Exactly. Get a construction crew to build you a big window that looks like a garage door, make a cut in the curb so it looks like a driveway, put up some no parking act driveway signs, and bingo, your own private parking space on a public street. He even hired servants to run out and warn anybody who dared park in front of the completely fake driveway. West Village neighbors, many of whom, it should be noted, belong not to the 1%, but to the poverty-stricken 2%, 
Say thanks to those enforcers. Many of their cars have been towed for parking in front of his faux garage. A y'all Levin had to pay hundreds to get his car out of the tow pound after he parked on what is technically a parking space. Mr. Levin complained, and the city got involved. New York Council Speaker Corey Johnson says, if this curb cut is illegal, then it should be removed immediately. If the city rules against him, the mogul could face a fine in the amount of a portfolio-shattering $500. A billionaire living in Greenwich Village fakes a driveway so he can claim a piece of the street for his own. Your next story of a Richie Rich comes from Roxanne Roberts. Everyone in Sweden knows Johan Lundberg loves hamsters. Five years ago, the billionaire developer opened Europe's biggest state-of-the-art hamster rescue, and he uses the adorable rodent as his company's mascot. Lundberg unveiled his new pride and joy this month, a hamster-inspired summer house on the coast of Gothenburg. The five million euro estate is designed around a series of giant plastic tubes modeled <laughs> after the orange habit trails of his youth that Lundberg and his family uses to move from room to room. But his favorite spot is the home gym and its 10-meter hamster wheel <laughs> that supplies half of the energy used in the eco-friendly mansion. Quote, you know how happy hamsters are when they run on their wheel? When I run, I am that happy too. <laughs> a billionaire in Europe, a hamster lover, makes himself a habit trail for humans. Your last story of a smart spender comes from Paula Poundstone. Tulsa, Oklahoma is now home to the largest piggy bank in the world. It belongs to wealthy local financier Tommy Haberer. The giant brass swine stands one story high. The installation is reflected in the mirrored Laredo Holdings Incorporated office building and instantly became a selfie magnet when unveiled on July 4th. Already, thousands of people have climbed the tall ladder that leans against the pig's substantial belly to deposit money into its slot. And who do those deposits fatten? One percenter, Tommy Haper. I've never seen anything like it, says Sheriff Austin Micah. This is the richest guy in town, and people are literally throwing money at him. I bet there's already $50,000 in there. I've spent hours juggling bowling balls and chicken wings in the hot Oklahoma sun, says street performer Scoopy the Clown, and found only a few bucks and some melted chocolate in my hat. This clown does nothing. People are stupid. Some of them actually think my feet are this big. <laughs> All right. Wait a minute, there's one more. All right. <laughs> I thought I was ordering bacon, said one disappointed-looking visitor, stepping away from the ladder. All right. <laughs> now, may I? May I? So somewhere, a billionaire did something interesting with his money. Was it from Jordan Carlos, a guy who owns a townhouse in New York, decides to fake a driveway just so he can keep the parking space on the street for himself? From Roxanne Roberts, a hamster-loving billionaire in Europe, decides to build a habit trail for himself so he can run through the tubes and run around on the wheel. Or from Paula Poundstone, a billionaire who just puts an enormous piggy bank out front and lets people give him even more money. Which of these is a real story of a creative use of excess funds? Uh, I'm going to go with Jordan and the fake driveway. You're going to go with Jordan and the fake driveway, the guy in New York. Well, we spoke to somebody who was intimately involved in the real story. 
He made it look like a driveway, but it's all an illusion. There's no actual driveway or garage in his property. That was Eyal Levin, whose car was towed when he parked in front of the fake driveway. Congratulations, Evan. You got it right. Thank you. You earned a point for Jordan, and you've won our prize, the voice of your choice on your voicemail. Congratulations, Evan. Well done. Thank you so much. That's great. Thank you for playing. Bye-bye. And now the game where we invite very smart people on to play a game about dumb things. We call it Not My Job. Tara Fletcher grew up in Atlanta and wanted to be a rocket scientist. Most of us give that up once we learn it involves math. (laughs) But she took to it. In fact, she went to MIT and is now, at 24 years old, one of the lead engineers building the rocket that hopefully will take some of us to Mars. Tara Fletcher, welcome to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Thank you. Thank you. So before we get to your current job, did I get that right, that you wanted to be a rocket scientist from a very young age? Yeah, from the age of 11, I decided to be an aerospace engineer. Now, what what inspired you to do that? So I actually had a program at my elementary school that introduced students to the fundamentals of aerospace engineering. I know, that's ridiculous. Um, Since the fourth grade, I have been wanting to be an aerospace engineer because of that program. Wow. Wow. I love that. So you went to MIT. Yes. And that, that was a pretty impressive thing. And we're told you graduated with a 5.0 average. Yes, it was very interesting time there. Yeah. Yeah. As far as we knew, the scale goes up to four. four. <laughs> How did you manage that? So my parents always encouraged me to just reach beyond what's expected of you. So I just worked hard, worked, um, oh my God, so many hours, late, late nights. And I just made it happen. So even even well, for you just made so many parents feel like crap. <laughs> <laughs> so you were you were like a nerd at MIT, which is already nerd heaven. Wow. Um, <laughs> I tried to keep a good balance. I was still very involved in different student organizations. And, okay. What student organizations were you involved in? So many of the cultural groups, um, the mm-hmm. Black Students Union, also MIT University, and also an African dance team. I tried to mix it up a little bit. Oh, really? That's cool. so cool. Well, you probably understood the dynamics of the movement. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? Which is almost cheating. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So what did you say to the other to, to the rest of the team? Like, no, you 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 need a twenty-five degree angle at your knee. <laughs> right, right. All of us as kids maybe drew airplanes and rocket ships, I did that, or maybe made paper airplanes or models, but you're like you were not satisfied. You wanted to make them out of like steel and make them fly. <laughs> right. Exactly, and I wanted them to be pink. For sure, Pete. Wow. Wait a minute. That's great. Still working on that. Really? So you you were recruited by what was it? Boeing, right out of right out of school, right? You worked for them before you even graduated. Correct. Yes. And so tell tell us what your job is. So I'm a rocket structural engineer. What that means is that I design various parts of the rocket, analyze those parts, and then I'm also doing manufacturing engineering as well to get all of those parts together into the rocket that you'll see. Because you're a girl, they didn't make you do the curtains? Right. Yeah, I was very happy that they did not make me do that. So you're actually designing the rocket engines. And and everybody told us that the rocket specifically that you're working on to design is the one that's going to go to Mars. Is that correct? 
That's correct. And first, we'll be going to the moon per the most recent charge from our vice president. Oh, are you taking him to the moon? (laughs) (laughs) If you would like to go. Man. (laughs) Is it like a pit stop before you hit Mars, you go to the moon, or what's going on there? Yeah, so we'll be creating a NASA gateway in order to get ready for longer missions such as Mars by establishing a habitat on the moon. Right, you're going to do that first, and then you'll go, then you'll go, oh. on, to, then you'll go on to Mars from there. Do you personally care about Mars? I do, I do. I find it to be very exciting, just the point of exploring the unknown. Are you guys going to go get the rover back? <laughs> you know, we could pick that up. You could pick it up. Pick it up. I mean, it it would be nice of us to clean up our messes. Yeah, for once. Yeah, it's Uh, so sad. You are a rocket scientist, literally. Yes. That is the absolute cliche for extraordinarily smart person. Like we, you know, the phrase. It's not rocket science. So, do you intimidate people when they find out what you do for a living? Well, a little bit, I guess, by the title, but I assure them that many people can be a rocket scientist. That's just not true. (laughs) I mean, many people can. It's very pretty to think so, and I want everybody to be encouraged, but no. (laughs) Your husband uh, is an astrophysicist, that's right. He's a rocket propulsion test engineer. Oh, wow. Oh so you, wait a minute. What a so slacker. So you build yeah. the rockets and yeah. he tests them? <laughs> exactly. It's so cringing. Yeah. Yeah. It's- wait a minute. That seems to me that it might provide cause for tension. <laughs> I mean, what if you build an engine, he tests it, and it blows up? Right. What's and, dinner know, at home going to be like that <laughs> night? I have to be really careful with my designs because I know that my husband is testing them and it's just, it's a lot of pressure. It is yeah, a lot sure. of pressure. Um, do you ever say to him, do you want more coffee? And he says yes, and you go, what's your capacity? <laughs> we do have those moments, unfortunately. <laughs> Wait a minute, you do? You actually like, like you do nerd humor with each other? We have a ton of nerd humor. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So you at... 24 are already designing uh, the rocket that's going to go to Mars, which I imagine would be the pinnacle of other people's career. Mm-hmm. So do you have goals or something that you want to do before you're finished? I do. Um, of course, I have my passion for rockets, but I also want to explore the side of planes as well. So you want to design airplanes? Yeah. Any particular kind of airplanes? Um, I do love military aircraft. That was the exact type of aircraft that I fell in love with at first. So. Really? You were an yes. 11-year-old girl and you loved, like, fighter jets? Yes. You were a yes. different like kind of kid. like the F-35, F-22. Oh, man. I'm just imagining you at the age of 11, like, playing with your friends, and they're playing, like, with their dolls, and <laughs> your jet comes in and strafes the tea party. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wait, the F-35 is the one that just takes straight off, right? Yes, it has different variations. I just wanted to get something right in front of you. I know. (laughs) Well, Tiara, it is a pleasure to talk to you, and we are going to see if we can stump you, because we have invited you here to play a game we're calling We Must Defeat the Monstars. Sure, space (laughs) is your jam, but what do you know about the movie Space Jam? We're going to ask you three questions about that 1996 movie, which starred Michael Jordan and Bugs Bunny. Oh, man, I was like one year old. (laughs) Oh, don't say that. You know what? That's not cool. Yeah. 
If you get two questions right, you'll win our prize for one of our listeners. Bill, who's Tierra playing for? Jonathan McRae of Bangor, Maine. All right, Tierra. Ready to do this? I'm ready. Here is your first question. <laughs> Space Jam was a huge success in 1996. Its appeal is far-reaching, as proven by which of these? A, in an interview, Neil Armstrong said, this movie is the greatest space thing ever done. <laughs> B, there is a VHS copy of the movie Space Jam enshrined in the North Korea International Friendship Museum in Pyongyang. <laughs> or C, Smuckers sold out of its Space Jam, which was just a jar that's, quote, empty, just like the vastness of space. <laughs> I might need a little help here. I can. What is the audience thinking? Uh, a, who, B, or C? Who knows? Well, I know who's a movie fan. B. B. We B. know We're who's a movie B. fan. Are we saying B? Is this what you did at MIT, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm just saying. I'm kidding. Yes, of course it's B. Of course it's B. You use whatever resource you have. There is a VHS copy of that movie. Uh, North Korea <laughs> is weird. All right, uh, your next question. Chuck Jones was the original creator of Looney Tunes, Bugs Bunny, Porky Pig, all the rest. He was invited to make a speech to the filmmakers when, who were making Space Jam, which used all his characters. What happened? A, he challenged Michael Jordan to a game of one-on-one and lost 108 to zero. <laughs> B, he announced that Porky Pig had been cured of his stutter and therefore would be speaking perfectly from now on. Or C, he insulted the film with such vigor he had to be escorted off the Warner Brothers lot. Oh, um, I'm going to go with C. You're right, C. (laughs) Chuck Jones, Jones, who was, of course, a genius, hated the movie, thought it disrespected his characters, and made his feelings known, and he had to be escorted off the lot. Wow. Wow. Last question. LeBron James is producing a sequel to Space Jam starring himself. There's been one problem with the production, though. What? A, LeBron's co-star Kyrie Irving walked off the set after refusing to believe the original Space Jam was not a documentary. (laughs) B, the guy who voices Elmer Fudd has not forgiven LeBron for leaving Cleveland and keeps adding profane insults to all of his lines. Or C, other NBA stars have reportedly refused to join the cast because they know the movie will just be LeBron dunking on them. Um, Let's go with C. You're right again, yes. They don't want to be embarrassed on film by LeBron or Bugs Bunny. Bill, how did Tierra do in our quiz? She got a (laughs) (laughs) 5.0. Another success. Tara Fletcher is a rocket scientist. She's building the spaceship that'll get us to Mars. You can find out more about her by searching for Rocket with the Fletchers on Facebook. Tara Fletcher, thank you so much for joining us on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Congratulations, Tara. In just a minute, Bill says, don't talk to me till I've had my PBR in the Listener Limerick Challenge. Call one wait wait to join us on the air. We'll be back in a minute with more of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. Support for Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me and the following message comes from Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Imagine how it feels to have an award-winning team of mortgage experts make the home buying process smoother for you. With a history of industry-leading online lending technology, Rocket Mortgage is changing the game. Visit rocketmortgage.com wait 
equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, mnlsconsumeraccess.org number 3030. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Push button, get mortgage. This is Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air from WHYY and NPR. We do long-form interviews with journalists breaking the big news stories and with the authors, filmmakers, and musicians behind the best in pop culture. So listen and subscribe. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis. We are playing this week with Jordan Carlos, Roxanne Roberts, and Paula Poundstone. And here again is your host at the Chase Bank Auditorium in downtown Chicago, Peter Sagal. Thank you, Bill. In just a minute. Bill pulls out his rhyme iron for a chip shot of the Listener Limerick <laughs> Challenge. If you'd like to play, give us a call at one triple eight. wait wait That's one 924 All right, panel, some more questions for you from the week's news. Roxanne, according to Fast Company Magazine, the hottest name in what's called fast fashion isn't H&M or J. Crew these days. It's what? Um, um, I'm going to need a hint. Well, it's great if you need to pick up a blazer and 200 rolls of toilet paper. Man, if it's in Costco. Taylor. Costco. Costco, oh, that's yes. That's right. I read about that. Costco. Costco. Uh, mm-hmm. If you need to refresh your look for the summer, head to Costco. If you need a vat of beef chili for three ninety nine, also head to Costco. <laughs> <laughs> the wholesaler's clothing department is booming, no longer just purchased by customers who went overboard in the food court and needed backup pants. Stacked. <laughs> <laughs> And, and, and there's a great thing. You don't have to buy the 200 rolls of toilet paper because when you have 100 pairs of pants, you don't need toilet paper. <laughs> Just pants on a roll. I love it's that. true, but yeah. most clothing chains are struggling because of you know Amazon and online shopping. But Costco has seen a 9% growth over the last few years in their clothing business. Maybe it's because Costco is just in-person Amazon, or maybe because you can't buy 90 cans of Vienna sausages at Nordstrom. (laughs) Are there little sample pants? (laughs) (laughs) Paula, you could answer this question. Oh, good. Paula, a lot of people are using DNA testing services to find... They certainly are, Peter. ...to find long-lost relatives, many of whom turn out to be serial killers. Who knew? (laughs) But who else is now using DNA to find their siblings, cousins, and even long-lost parents? Uh, Is it uh, in the rodent family? Uh, No, but it is in the animal kingdom. Hmm. Uh, uh, Dogs? Yes, dogs. Very good. So stupid. You know... Oh, are you, I want to get back. Yeah. Are the dogs? The dogs, are, yes, the are dogs. These, are these mutts? Are these well, purebreds? Here's the how thing. How does this work? So dog and owners... And how do they fill out the form? Be honest. <laughs> As you probably know, dog owners have been using DNA tests for a while to check on their dog's breed and prove that mm-hmm. it is indeed uh. and scientifically a very good dog. But now <laughs> they're using eating. the same technology to try to find the dog's relatives. Too many people are looking into their dog's big sad eyes and thinking... You'd love to see your litter mates again, wouldn't you? <laughs> when the dog is really thinking, I love you because you are made of meat. <laughs> <laughs> so, people are now submitting these DNA samples, and if they get a hit, a match with another dog out there, they are allowed to contact the other dog's owners to arrange reunions. You know what I think dogs would like better? What? It's Tinder. <laughs> 
and it's just it's, it's just pictures of butts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and all the dogs are like left, 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 left. I mean, the thing is, <laughs> they can easily swipe it. Sure, yeah. they can do that. The thing about a dog is they don't even have to have another dog. They just, you know, they look, oh, your neighbor's shin. Back up, back up. Oh man. Jordan, according to the Clay County, Missouri Sheriff's Office, this week a suspect in Missouri hiding from police gave away his location when he did what? When he did what? When he did what? He gave away his, uh, his location. Did they, um, did he fart? Yes, he did, quite oh, loudly. No. The police have not said much about the case. We don't know who the guy was or what he was wanted for. But uh, the man was crouched, uh, hiding in some undisclosed location when he uh, crouched. disclosed it. <laughs> And a Taco Bell. Yes, yeah. go on. Mm-hmm. He's now been arrested on drug charges, proving whoever smelt it dealt 400 grams of controlled substances. <laughs> Coming up, it's lightning fill in the blank, but first it's the game where you have to listen for the rhyme. If you'd like to play on air, call or leave a message at one triple eight. Wait, wait. That's one 888 or click the Contact Us link on our website, waitwait.npr.org. There you can find out about attending our weekly live shows right here at the Chase Bank Auditorium in Chicago and our upcoming shows August 29th and 30th at Wolf Trap near Washington, D.C., September 12th in Newark, New Jersey, and July 18th. That's this upcoming Thursday at the Blossom Music Center just outside of Cleveland in Cuyahoga National Park. Hi, you are on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. This is Sarah Barnazel from Mountain, California. Oh, yeah, Mountain View. That's in Silicon Valley. I know it. What do you do there? I'm a second grade teacher, and I also work uh, for a murder mystery theater troupe. Mm. Oh, wow. <laughs> you work for a murder mystery theater troupe? Yeah, that's, you heard that right. Okay, so what exactly is that? So, I mean, it's gotten pretty popular recently. It's like, you know, people hire us, and we come, and uh, one of our actors dies. And then everyone has to figure out who did it. And is it always the same person, or do you sometimes get to be the murderer? Well, I'm dying tomorrow. Oh, you rotate the corpse as well? We do, yeah. We're very equitable in the company. I understand. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Sarah. Bill Curtis Thank is going to read you three news-related limericks with a last word or phrase missing from each. If you can fill in that last word or phrase correctly in two of the limericks, you'll be a winner. You ready to play? I was born ready. Hey! Girl. Here is your first limerick. We're blue ribbon, but we're not standoffy. Our $2 cans just say, quaff me. Hard seltzer, hard cider, we cast our web wider. Yes, Paps is now brewing hard coffee. Yes! yes. Your favorite crappy beer will soon be your favorite crappy coffee. <laughs> Pabst Blue Ribbon is releasing hard coffee, a drink that captures the spirit of PBR and the taste of mud. <laughs> According to a press release, the beverage clocks in at 5% alcohol and is made with Arabica and Robusta coffee beans and, quote, rich, creamy American milk, unquote. So unwind by the pool with the drink of the summer and feel your energy come back, or at least feel the rich, creamy American milk come back. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best option for anyone looking to party for five minutes, barf, and then stare at the ceiling all night. <laughs> all right, here is your next limerick. In the one place where I can get cool, there's more germs than a rabid dog's drool. The outlook is grim. 
so I'd rather not swim. We've been warned to stay out of the... Oh, no. Pool? Pool, yes. Who could have guessed that public pools, the brothy soup in which we soak our children, (laughs) could be spreading disease. The CDC, which of course stands for Children's Diarrhea Cops, <laughs> says there's an increasing number of illnesses that can be traced back to a parasite that seems to be flourishing in public pools. Pools, refreshing place to relax in the summer heat. And the answer to the question, hey, how'd you get pink eye? <laughs> Here is your last limerick. In Tennessee, scientists chortle. In a parallel world, we're immortal. In the good, upside down, we're erasing all frowns. We're hard at work building a... Portal? Yes, portal! <laughs> How'd you get that? That was really good. <laughs> really good. Scientists at Oak Ridge National Laboratory in Tennessee are trying to open a portal to a parallel universe. Mm-mm. It's kind of complicated, but they're blasting these tiny subatomic particles at a surface, and depending on what happens, they may get a glimpse of a parallel universe which has mirror images of the matter in ours, except there, all the little particles have little goatees. (laughs) Scientists have attempted to build a door to an alternate universe for years, but have only now figured it out. It's push, not pull. (laughs) Are there really scientists working on that? There really are, For real scientists? For real scientists. You study all those years, uh, uh, and, and then that's what you're doing? You're trying to find a portal to a parallel universe? It's not even science, for God's sakes. Are you kidding? It's, it's high-energy physics. It's amazingly interesting science. There is no parallel universe. How do you know? How do you know that? How do you know that? Come on, get Tierra back in the phone and talk some sense <laughs> into this woman. Yeah. Okay, so there's another place where someone is doing this right now. <laughs> So, you know, I have three cats and I sift litter boxes four times a day. And the good news about what I've just learned is that sometimes it feels so lonely. And now, when I'm sifting, I'll think to myself, at least I'm not the only one. (laughs) Wait a minute. You just said you had three cats. Thirteen. I'm sorry, yes. Thirteen cats. Did you, you you lost one? You lost a few. You used to have 16. I used to have 16. Well, that, you know, they don't live forever. In this universe. (laughs) Bill, how did Sarah do? Sarah did three straight in our universe. Congratulations, Sarah. Bye-bye, Sarah. This message comes from NPR sponsor Goldman Sachs. For insights from leading thinkers at Goldman Sachs in the state of markets, industries, and the global economy, listen to their podcast, Exchanges at Goldman Sachs. You'll hear a range of topics discussed from the tech IPO landscape to China's economic outlook and much more. That's Exchanges at Goldman Sachs, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Google Play, and at gs.com podcast. This message comes to you from NPR sponsor Capital One. Capital One knows life doesn't alert you about your credit card. That's why they created Eno, the Capital One assistant that catches things that might look wrong with your credit card, like over-tipping, duplicate charges, or potential fraud, then sends an alert to your phone and helps you fix it. It's another way Capital One is watching out for your money when you're not. Capital One, what's in your wallet? See CapitalOne.com for details. 
Now on to our final game, Lightning Fill-in-the-Blank. Each of our players will have 60 seconds in which to answer as many fill-in-the-blank questions as he or she can. Each correct answer is now worth two points. Bill, can you give us the scores? Peter, we have a three-way tie. Oh, my Everybody gosh. Four. Here we go. I am going to arbitrarily decide who goes first, and I'm going to say it's Jordan. Jordan, you're okay, up first. I'm ready. Here we go. The clock will start when I begin your first question, fill in the blank. On Wednesday, Labor Secretary Alex Acosta defended his role in Blank's 2008 plea deal. Uh, that was Epstein's right. plea Right. On deal. Monday, the governor of New York signed a bill allowing Congress access to Blank's state tax returns. Uh, Donald Trump? Yes. This week's stocks jumped after the Fed signaled a Blank cut. Uh, fed rate. Rates. In interest rate, yeah. Rates. On Monday, a federal judge blocked a new DHS rule requiring pharmaceutical companies to disclose Blank during commercials. Uh, side effects. No, drug prices. Though oh. they meant to send out next season's schedule, the American Hockey League accidentally sent all of their app users blank. I, I don't want to say a pic of their genitals. No, so, it, uh, was, <laughs> it was a text demanding $6,000 from someone named Stuart Zimmel. Pay wow. up, Stuart Zimmel. Pretty much. On yeah. Wednesday, automaker Volkswagen produced the final run of their iconic blanks. The Beatle? Yes. The Israeli ambassador oh. to Brazil is in trouble after being caught using Photoshop to cover up a photo of himself blanking. Uh, doing the, the uh, Macarena. I have no, no. idea. Uh, he, he used Photoshop to try to cover up a photo of himself eating a non-kosher meal. Oh, well, then. He sat down to a big plate of definitely not kosher lobster with the president of Brazil and someone snapped a picture. Before it was released, the ambassador apparently altered the photo by, you know, scribbling lines mm -hmm. over the lobster. Hoping people would just say, oh yes, blurry black lines, the national food of Brazil. <laughs> the problem is not so much that he ate a trafe meal or that he photoshopped it out, but that he's really bad at photoshop. <laughs> Better thing to do would be just, you know, grab a Torah and photoshop in the words, bacon, good. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, how did Jordan do in our quiz? Jordan got four right, eight more points, total of 12, and Jordan's in the lead. Okay, Paula, we'll have you go next. Fill in the blank. On Tuesday, an appeals court ruled that it is unconstitutional for President Trump to block critics on blank. Twitter. Right. Following weeks of protests, the Hong Kong government says their proposed extradition law with blank is dead. Uh, with uh, China. Right. This week, the House passed a bill to change the wording of a law that describes presidents as blank. I don't know. As male. Best known for his third-party presidential runs in 1992 and 96, billionaire Blank passed away this week at Ross. the age of 89. Oh, sorry, Ross Perot. Right. On the official declaration of his Senate run for Kansas, Republican Chris Kobach blanked. Uh, he declined to run for Senate? No, he misspelled his own first name. Oh, my, no. A minor league all-star game this week was the first baseball game in history to have its balls and strikes called by Blank. A uh, woman? A robot. Oh. Citizens in Australia are under alert after a wild cockatoo was spotted blanking at a shopping center. I'm not sure, but if you were to look in another universe, you'd know. <laughs> it was trying on clothes. No, it ripped out all the anti-bird spikes so it could sit down. <laughs> that is so great. Oh. It is pretty great. To prevent birds from squatting in the mall's awnings, employees put up spikes across the entire building, but one cockatoo just wasn't having it. Shoppers caught him on video tearing up the anti-bird spikes with his beak and throwing them on the ground. Afterwards, he flew inside the mall, smashed a window, and flew off with a crate of saltines because Polly wants a cracker. <laughs> Bill, how did Paula do on our quiz? Well, Paula got three right. Well, there you have it. Six more points. Total of ten. She's in second place. Mm. 
And how many then does Roxanne need to win? Well, four to tie and five to win. Okay, Roxanne, this is for the game. Fill in the blank. On Wednesday, a federal court dismissed an emoluments lawsuit filed against blank. President Trump. Right. After a delay, the White House says the deportation rates conducted by blank should begin on Sunday. Ice. Right. This week, officials in the UK said that blank tried to seize a British oil tanker in the Persian Gulf. Uh... Iran. Right. On Thursday, online retail giant Blank pledged $700 million to teach workers how to code. Amazon. Right. On Tuesday, a judge rejected Johnson & Johnson's request to throw out a lawsuit suing the company for their part in the Blank crisis. Opioid. Right. On Sunday, UNESCO added eight buildings by famed architect Blank to its World Heritage List. Frank Lloyd Wright. Right. An injured baby bird found in Utah by a drunk guy is fine after the man blanked. Called Uber to take it to a wildlife refuge. You're right. <laughs> The man was out for the night with his friends. He found the lost baby bird. He was too drunk to drive it to the Wildlife Rehabilitation Center himself. He did the next best thing, called an Uber, put it in the back seat, sent it on its way. According to its review, the baby bird had a great ride. <laughs> Said the car was clean, and the driver even provided bottles of water and chewed up worms and regurgitated them into my mouth. Four stars. <laughs> Bill... Roxanne won, didn't she? Yes, yeah, she, did. she did. She got seven right, 14 more points, total Woo! of 18 for her win. Yeah, that was inevitable. In just a minute, we're going to ask our panelists after the U.S. women's soccer team who will next get a ticker tape parade in New York. Special thanks to Stock and Ledger Restaurant here in Chicago for feeding us. Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is a production of NPR and WBEZ Chicago in association with Urgent Haircut Productions, Doug Berman, Benevolent Overlord. Philip Gotika writes our limericks. Our public address announcer is Paul Friedman. Our house manager is Tyler Green, assisted by Simon Tran. Our interns are Panina Beattie and Lila Francis. Our web guru is Beth Novi. BJ Liederman composed our theme. Our program is produced by Jennifer Mills, Miles Dernboss, and Lillian King. But soft, what light through yonder window breaks? It is the east, and Peter Gwynn is the sun. Technical direction is from Lorna White. Our business and ops manager is Colin Miller. Our production coordinator is Robert Newhouse. Our senior producer is Ian Chillog. And the executive producer of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is Michael Linwood Danforth. Now, panel, who will get the next ticker tape parade? Jordan Carlos. Well, that'll be the women's team again when they win the men's World Cup. So. <laughs> Roxanne Roberts. The next ticker tape parade will be for the 10 interchangeable white male Democrats who drop out of the presidential race. <laughs> and Paula Poundstone. LeBron James because he'll have won Space Jam unopposed. <laughs> well, if any of that happens, panel, we'll ask you about it on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Thank you, Bill Curtis. Thanks also to Jordan Carlos, Roxanne Roberts, and Paula Poundstone. Thanks to all of you for listening. I'm Peter Sagal, and see you next week in Blossom, outside of Cleveland, Ohio. This is NPR.